Ladies and gents, welcome to another episode of Optimize Your Body podcast. I've got a fantastic guest on the line today. Really, really excited to interview him and have him on. It's an absolute pleasure to have you here, Vinny. So thanks for coming on, man. Thanks for having me on. This is great. Um, uh, you know, it just, you know, it, it always amazes me that you're on the other end of the planet. And here we are looking at each other and, and pulling together yet another show. It never ceases to amaze me. Absolutely incredible. I get the same thing as well, that appreciation for the high level conversations you can have with people, isn't it? From all over the world. Yeah, you know, we, we want to look at the internet. People always go, oh, this TikTok and Instagram, and it's all going downhill so fast. But then there's the other side of it. You know, people, you know, exchanging information and getting, you know, good information out there. So with the bad comes the good, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's just the way I see it. Yeah, 100%, 100%. You can always see the negatives in it, and that's it. With technology, that's another conversation. It's obviously going to cause harm, but it's amazing. It's such an amazing tool. And if we look at some of the stuff, you know, just the amount of guests you've had on your show and everything else, and the, the valuable information you can get out there nowadays that people can tune into, which is incredible, but also it's like almost information overload nowadays, right? So people have got to be smart with what they, what information they dissect, right, Vinny? Well, yeah, you know, we, we started this probably 12 years ago. We've been podcasting for that long. We've done well over, I think we're over 2,500 shows now. And um, some people, wow, why do, you, why do you keep doing it? It's like, well, you have to keep putting the information out. You have to keep, you know, just hammering away at it because no, no matter what, you know, I, I always call it Googling yourself right. Anyone can go to Google and if you go, hey, I, I believe the sky is blue and you can look up and see that the sky is blue. It's like, yeah, well, hang on. I went to Google and I looked up that the sky is actually red, right? Well, everyone can look up and tell that it's not red, but people will try to convince you of that on Google. You know, um, I always use the example of the flat earthers, right? <laughs> it's people who believe the earth is flat. Well, it seems like we got rid of that in 1492, right? Whenever a Spanish queen gave Christopher Columbus a bunch of money to keep sailing until he fell off the earth. Well, he never fell off the earth. Okay, the earth is not flat. Yet a group of people would tell you, oh, no, it's, it's flat, right? And there's just no truth behind it. And I always say, well, prove it to me. Let's keep walking until we get to the edge. Oh, wait, there's no edge. You mean it goes around a big old circle? Okay, well, you were wrong. Yet it doesn't stop those people from believing that. So it's really interesting how the computer works and, and how, you know, good information can be buried by the wrong information. 100%, 100%. Yeah, let's get into that. I'd like to talk on that. That's actually a really interesting topic as well to talk on. But I like the analogy as well with the, the flat earthers, right? That's a great analogy. But yeah, Vinny, I'd love you to introduce yourself to, to my audience because there's so many things you've, uh, you've done. You know, America's angriest trainer, man. I love that title. That's the best. Uh, Beyond Impossible documentary in 2022 on Amazon Prime and uh, Fitness Confidential book and the podcast. As you say, 12 years podcast, and I did not know it was that long. That is absolutely insane. I did, honestly didn't know podcasts have been around for that long. The first one I listened to was back in 2015, so that was like eight years ago. So absolutely insane. I mean, what the journey you've been on, um, I'm sure you've you've gathered a lot of wisdom along the way, right, Vinny? Um, so yeah, anyway, just I'd love you to introduce yourself to the audience and a bit more about your background and 
anything you you want to share my man well for me you know I've, I've been a lifetime you know i have a degree in exercise physiology and a degree in nutrition and um at some point you know i've been in the health and fitness space for well over 40 years after i graduated from college and at some point in 1990 or 91 i moved out to la and it didn't take long for me to become one of the the trainers in LA. This was before everyone was a trainer. You actually had to back then you had to have a degree or actually know what you were talking about. You couldn't you, you couldn't wake up in your mom's basement one morning and go, Well, I guess dog walking didn't work out. I'm gonna become a trainer, you know. Um, but now that's pretty much where we are. Um, so way back when when Hollywood needed to get someone in shape for a movie to get them to gain weight or lose weight or put on muscle or whatever. I was one of those guys, there was a handful of us, literally, there was about five of us that, that got the call. And I was luckily one of those guys. Um, kept myself pretty quiet all those years. Why, why let anyone know who I am? Hollywood knew who I was, and they had me on their Rolodex, right? So people today don't even know what a Rolodex is. That's a phone number on a thing, right? So I, I got a lot of work and did really well. And somewhere around 2010 or 11 during, you know, the economy shift, and we are, we had a writer strike in Hollywood, one of my clients who was a TV producer, and writer, he kept saying, you should write a book. And we all had extra time because there was no TV being produced, there was no movies being made. So we had time on our hands. And uh, he convinced me to sit around and write a book. So I started writing a book. And once that book was done, um, you know, th there became a bidding war for it. But they all started saying the same, all the, you know, Simon and & Schuster and HarperCollins and everyone, even my agent, my book agent said, no one's gonna buy this book because you don't exist on the Google machine. That's what I call it, the Google machine. And I was like, yeah, that's, I don't wanna be on Google. Why would I be on Google? It's like, well, that's how they sell books nowadays. So. You know, they want you to be on Google. So I literally came home, Martin, and said, and, and read, you know, I went on to Google to figure out how to become famous on the internet. And at the time, the best way to become famous was to have a, an RC boat with a set of skis behind it and somehow get a squirrel on the skis. And that's what people, that, that was internet back then, right? If you saw a squirrel on, water skis, right, or something like that, that went, quote, unquote, viral. So I was like, well, I don't have an RC boat or a squirrel. So I got to figure something else out. And um, that's when someone mentioned podcast. Because at one point, I had a radio show. And it's like, look, you're going to know how to do this. You've already done radio for years. So just go do a podcast. And I literally said, uh, what is, I don't even know what that is. You know, what, what's a podcast? But that's how it started. Uh, within a week of hearing the term podcast, I had already done three podcasts and put them all out at the same time. And by the time I had 10 or 12 podcasts out, I was doing three a week. Um, I want to say we, we started building an audience like we had over 10,000 people within a couple of months and then 10,000 became 20,000 became 100,000 became a half a million. And before we knew it, we were one of the biggest podcasts out there. 
Um, and that's what sold the book. That's the way it all happened. I mean, if you asked me to do it again, I couldn't. People ask me about that magic all the time. And it's like, if, if you try to start a podcast today, good luck. There's a half a gazillion podcasts, right? So that's my story. And since then, you mentioned the documentary Beyond Impossible, but we also, the, the poster that's behind me, I don't know if you can see it, it says Fata Documentary. That was the first documentary. That one was the number one documentary ever put out by Gravitas Ventures. And then we did Fat 2, which was the sequel. I mean, think about that. A documentary with a sequel. You never hear of that. And now we have Beyond Impossible out. And we, we're coming out with a fourth documentary. So if you would have told me all of this when I was 50 years old, if you said by the time you're 60, you're going to have four documentaries, a book, a vitamin company, a foods company, I, I would have said you were crazy, but here we are. Uh, that story is incredible. So inspirational. 12 years ago, most people had no idea what a podcast was 10 years ago, maybe even, yeah, about 10 years ago, let alone 12 years ago, you know? So to yeah. actually have that, where did you get that drive? I'd love to know what make you thought, right, I'm not going to use the Google machine in your words, right? I'm going to do it my way. Where did you get the idea? I'm just curious to know where you got the idea to do a podcast back then. And how did you even know what a podcast was? I guess you had you were on radio, right? So you kind of were plugged in to what was going on. Well, I had done radio back in the 80s. I had a show called Talking Fitness in New Orleans, Louisiana. And um, my nephew, when I, I just happened to be talking to one of my nephews. And I said, yeah, you know, my agent wants me to do something on the internet. And I don't know what to do. And he said, do a podcast. He, he was an early adopter of podcasts. And he was listening to podcasts. And I, and I asked him, I said, what, what is that? And he goes, it's exactly like a radio show. And most people doing it have no idea what they're doing. You know how to broadcast, you know, and this is like long form without any ads. And when he, uh, Martin, when he was explaining to me how a podcast worked, I, I was like, wait a minute, I'm going to just talk into my computer? And what does that do? And understand this, in 2011 or 12, when we started this, 2011, you didn't have Apple CarPlay in your car. So most people in their cars weren't listening. You know, now we've become really popular because people can listen to us on long trips and everyone has Apple CarPlay and everything else. But back then, it was people on subways that had, you know, earbuds in and, uh, you know, that sort of thing. I didn't really know how it worked until we were like we, we had been out for a couple of months and, and someone said, hey, you're like number one in Apple. Right. As far as uh, health and fitness podcasts go at that time, you know, I couldn't I couldn't script that. I couldn't do it again if I tried. Timing really, really helps, but also just to have that courage to do that, right? Because essentially you're going against the grain and yeah. that takes a lot of courage and it takes a certain kind of person to get after something like that. So hats off to you, man. That's incredible. I like to backtrack a bit and I love speaking to people, Vinny, who've got a lot of experience with actually coaching people and wisdom within that realm because I've yeah. got 17 to 18 years of uh, coaching under my belt experience. I was a personal trainer and now obviously coach people online and stuff. But I'd love to backtrack to when you were coaching people or actually training people up for you know, celebrities and athletes and stuff like that. Number one, 
if you're allowed to, I know probably a lot of it's confidential. Can you mention, maybe give us an idea of one of the uh, stars that you uh, you coached? And secondly, I'd love to know how that was, just your experience doing that in terms of the mindset behind people like Hollywood stars and stuff when it comes to the motivation level, if you like, or the discipline that they would apply to obviously get into incredible shape real quick for those for those big events, those big, uh, you know, Hollywood films and stuff. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, for the most part, you know, we, we keep it quiet, but there's some of, some of the clients who, you know, people, you know, they, they saw me out hanging out, you know, I was good. For, I don't know if you know who Howie Mandel is. Um, Rings a bell. Does ring a bell. Giant comedian. He's uh he's a big star still on television today on, on a show called America's got talent. Uh, guy's been around. He's been on television since the seventies. Um, just a huge comedian, bald-headed guy. Um, he was one of my clients. But you see, I can mention him because we were also friends outside of that. So people have seen us in public. There are pictures of us all over the internet uh, being together. Um, there was another big star back in the early 90s that kind of got me rocking and rolling. Um, there was a woman named Margaret Cho, who's a, um, she was a comedian and they she got a sitcom and but she was too heavy and i had taken 60 pounds off of her and then she went around to all the late night shows like jay leno and and david letterman and all these different shows and my name was on her lips on every show they were, oh my god margaret you lost 60 pounds how did you do that and she was well this guy vinnie tortorich and then that's how i got popular that's how i ended up you know with you know, rock stars and, you know, you name it. And people ask me, it's like, what's more so than who are the clients? Because I never give that list out so much. Um, but they'll say, well, what, what would they hire you for? And it's like, one of the biggest things I got hired to do, I was considered a quick weight loss expert. And I don't know how I got that rap, but it all started whenever whenever actresses do or did big movies back when I was doing that, um, they plan having kids in between movies, right? So as soon as the movie wraps, they'll get pregnant. And then it usually takes a year before a movie comes out, right? So part of their contract with the movie is they now have to go and talk up the movie, red carpets, do all the stuff. And you can't have that baby weight on you, right? And I would get called in, and they called it the red carpet, you know, get them in red carpet shape, right? You got three weeks, you got five weeks, get 20 pounds off of them, you know, just get it off. And I started getting called in on those in the early 90s. And um, that was the first thing right after the Margaret Cho thing happened. And then uh, once my name was on David Letterman's lips, and once my name was on Jay Leno's lips and all that kind of stuff, it didn't take long for literal like rock stars that I grew up listening to, you know, they were getting my number through their agents and their agents were calling. I was like, Oh my God, that I can't believe I'm walking into this guy's house or this woman's house. And it, it just became surreal to me, you know, who I was meeting, you know, it's like people who were big deals to me my entire life. But uh, yeah, that list is long. And, um, that's to be honest with you, I was offered a lot of money to write a book just selling those people out. And it's like, I'll never write the book. You know, that book is going to die with me. But, you know, I've never needed to sell out to go make a buck. You know, I've always kept that to myself. 
<laughs> awesome. What an experience. What an experience, though, you know, and hats off to you for for doing that, for what you've achieved and everything else. And I bet you learned a lot along that journey. And I'd love to know, what would you say in terms of the mindset and discipline and everything else that these individuals will put in to get to where they need to go, like lose weight fast and everything else? How would you say generally they differ between the difference between them and say the average person when it comes to their drive to actually get in shape in, in tip top shape in a short amount of time, would you say there's any difference there? Was anything like mindset traits or anything that you observed along that way with those people? Yeah. Um, successful celebrities, the, the, the misconception with people, just the, the general public, they think, they think after celebrities make it, that they just sit back and they eat bonbons and ride around in limos and their life is so perfect and they just helicopter around and do whatever they want. Nothing can be further from the truth. The way people become major celebrities, whether you're, you know, you know, a, a rock star or, you know, someone who's gracing the movie screens or whatever you're doing, right? These are all type A plus personality people. You know, we want to think that they're soft and, oh, everyone does everything for them. They have assistants and cooks and all the, no, it, you know, we'll use J-Lo. J-Lo was not a client of mine. J-Lo is the hardest working woman. People go, oh, look, she's beautiful and she's got everything. That woman works her ass off. I know this because I trained the person that lived in the mansion right next door. You know, J-Lo was, you can hear the music over there and she had a studio and you can, you know, she's always working on dance moves and this and that and the whole thing, you know, it's always, it's always just watching these people go as, you know, pardon my French balls deep, right? They just, they, you know, they just nod up and they do it. That's the difference between a type A personality that wants to stay on top and the average person who goes, Oh yeah, I'm going to start a diet on Monday and watch what I eat. And I'm going to start working out and by Wednesday. It's all forgotten. You know what? They're one pizza away from going, screw it. That's too hard. I'm just going to have pizza and donuts. So whatever that case may be, right? I'm not going to, I'm not going to go low carb. I'm going to eat bread. It's too important to me. These people don't think about like, it's never, it's never an issue for these people because their whole life is I'm going to make it. I'm going to be number one. And no one's going to take that away from me. Not a piece of bread, not a pizza, not ice cream, none of it. I'm going to do this, right? That's the difference. And it might sound like a, a small difference, but it's a huge difference. Sacrifice. They're willing to sacrifice. And Absolutely. I'm a firm believer. Yeah, 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 100%. And I'm a firm believer in how you do anything is how you do everything for the most part. And as you say, they literally been conditioned from a young age, and then they build this resilience and this discipline, and they just get after it. And they have a real intrinsic motivation as well. I guess a lot of it does come down to that as well, right? It's like, why is it important to you as well? A lot of people, they're like, oh, I want to drop this 5 kgs, or I want to drop in America, I want to drop these 10 pounds or 20 pounds. And it's just like a wishy-washy goal. And they don't really have a, they don't really want it enough. And in my opinion, they just don't have a powerful reason to change, you know? And they're not willing, as you say, to sacrifice and put the work in to actually achieve that a lot of the times, right? Well, yeah, I, you would think that, right? But I've watched people, in, you know, I remember, you know, 30 years ago, if someone weighed 250 pounds, that was like a really heavy, morbidly obese person. Now I'm working with men and women, 
that are five, 600 pounds, right? We, we've, we've crossed that Rubicon into numbers I never thought I would see in a lifetime. And we've done that, you know, fairly quickly. And a lot of these people will say, you know, my A1Cs are in the 300s. Uh, I mean, are, are 12, 13, 14. My triglycerides are three, 400. My this, my that. I will do anything to change. I will do anything. And then you tell them, okay, you got to cut out bread and pasta. They'll go, well, wait a minute. Uh, not that. I love bread and pasta. It's like, well, just now you said you were sick and the doctor told you, you you're going to die if you continue on doing this. Yet I told you a very simple thing you should do, and they won't do it. You know, and, and so you have to say, well, you know, motivation. Well, death, in my opinion, is the greatest motivation, right? If, if, if you're staring at death before it's time for you to die, wouldn't you change, Martin? I know I would. 100%, yeah. But some people, you know, like I said, these actors, they want to get another movie. They want, you know, these rock stars don't want to walk on stage and be fat. They want to be able to take their shirt off and have rock hard abs. And they will do whatever it takes to do that. Even after they become big celebrities, you know, some of these, these, these uh, rock stars, they're the hardest working people because once they become celebrities, they can get fat, right? All they have to do is sing and have a great voice. They still want to get on stage, rip their shirts off. Hell, I was watching a Super Bowl last night, and Usher is up there in front of gazillions of people. During his act, he's ripping his shirt off, right? I'm looking at that going, yeah, they, they want to go, look, I'm a sex symbol. I'm going to rip my shirt off. They want to look a certain way. He could have kept his shirt on and gained 20 pounds, right? He's still Usher, right? He would have been okay. But they, they want it all, and they want it all, all the time. And that's the difference between the guy who says, I'll do anything to lose this weight and get my A1Cs down, get my triglycerides down, get rid of this fatty liver disease. And as soon as you say, cut out pasta, oh, wait, hang on. Hang on, really? You want me to do what? It's crazy. It is 100%. Yeah, you hit a good point there because people, even when they're faced with death, it's not enough for some people, as you say, the sacrifice and cutting out those ultra-processed foods, which is something I want to really touch on. I'd like to just kind of shift gears into the, the fat documentary. Sorry for not including that at the start there. I got a bit excited with the, with the other one, then the impossible <laughs> documentary and skip that one. That's really important to include those two, actually. Talk us through the inspiration behind your first documentary, Vinny. I'd love to know what the inspiration was and what, your, what, what value you wanted to add by bringing that documentary out because, you know, it looks like it's, it's helped a hell of a lot of people, you know? I was not inspired whatsoever. I'm going to just be honest. That was no inspiration. Um, people kept saying to me, you need to do it. Because every time these vegan documentaries came out, like What the Health and all this kind of stuff, people, you need to do, you know, they're lying. You need to do a lie in the other direction. It's like, well, I'm not going to lie. That's number one. So if you want me to put out propaganda and lies, I'm not going to do it. And then... Um, Someone came to me and I kept saying, why do you guys want me to do this? And it's like, well, you're kind of one of the original voices of this whole low carb thing. And you have a big audience and you can speak on camera and all this kind of stuff. And, and I think it more so had to do with my proximity to Hollywood. They're like, you know, people, you know, cameramen and directors. And it's like, you know, people, I mean, we live out in the Midwest. Right. So I think that had a lot to do with everyone wanting me to do it. Um, and then someone came to me with a lot of money 
And they were like, all right, we can do this documentary. It, but then they wanted me to do some of that lie and propaganda stuff, like make up BS. And I just wasn't, and I told them no, not, you know, and then someone else came to me, a guy named Peter Pardini, who had just put a documentary out about the band Chicago. And it won all these awards and the whole thing. And he, he had been doing my low carb, you know, my NSNG protocol and lost a lot of weight. And he came to me and said, Hey man, you should do a documentary. I said, Peter, I'm not about to put my own money behind a documentary. My, my understanding is it'll cost several hundred thousands of dollars and I'll probably lose all of that money. And he said, dude, why don't you just crowdfund it? And I was like, who's going to give me money on crowdfunding? And he says, you would be surprised. And I, I lit the only reason I crowdfunded this, the first movie, was because I was certain nobody would give me any money and then Peter would go away and then it would be over with. I wouldn't have to do anything. So we were trying to get $150,000 and I just thought that was a joke. I didn't think anybody was going to give me a dollar, much less 150 grand. But we ran a campaign for like 40 days and it turns out we did not get $150,000. We ended up getting a quarter of a million dollars. So we got a lot more than we thought we would get. And then I went, well, hell, I guess I got to do a documentary. So we did. I ended up putting, you know, a lot of my own money behind it on top of the quarter of a million dollars, you know, just to get it finished. And the money I put into it, I just assumed I'd never see it again. But as it turns out, the documentary ended up becoming a big success. And not only did I get my money back, but I got the whole 250,000 back plus more. So I weirdly didn't feel like I deserved that money because it wasn't my money to begin with. Right. And um, I was trying to explain, I remember that year paying taxes, I was trying to explain to the government, uh, I got this money through donations. And they were like, how's that again? <laughs> yeah, it was like, it was weird. But now I had all of this money that came back to me. And I told my wife, I said, I don't feel like this is my money. And I don't have a way to disperse it back to all the people who gave it to me. So I'm just going to put out another documentary, we still had all this other stuff. So we did fat too. So I went, Okay, now the money's gone, I don't have to worry about it. Well, the money came back again, right? Fat two became a big deal. So the money came back. And I was shit. Now I have to do it. <laughs> so I did. I keep looking to lose the money, but I've been playing with the same house money since the beginning. Every time I do a documentary, it seems the money comes back and then I just do another documentary. Mm. But, you know, money comes as a byproduct of you putting, putting good stuff out there, right? And again, having the courage, go against that propaganda machine and everything else. And yeah. I'm so glad that you did, my man. It was 2019, right? The first one was released, Fat. Yeah, yeah, that sounds about right. It was before the pandemic. Um, we put the second one out in the second year of the pandemic. And basically what we did was we took all of the footage that we didn't use in the first one to create the second documentary. Because wow, which was had, only two years later, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah. it was all the same actors, or, you know, actors meaning, you know, Nina Teichos and Gary Taubes, because people, one of the comments we got was, man, I wish we could have seen more of these people. It's like, well, hey, I have the rest of all the footage. 
let me turn that into a documentary. And we just told a bigger story in the second documentary, which some people will tell you was better than the first one. Now, it never made the kind of money the first one made, but it did very well. Um, and it did well enough that we did Beyond Impossible, which Beyond Impossible, have you seen that movie, Martin? Have you seen Beyond Impossible? No, full transparency. I saw some snippets of it, but I didn't watch the whole thing. The truth is stranger than fiction in that thing. Um, people write me all the time. It's like, wow, I had no idea. I've had people in government write me and go, you know, we, you know, and I'm talking not just state government. I'm talking the national, you know, national government. I won't say who they were, what they were. But I've had, you know, well, senators and representatives write to me and go, I had no idea, and I'm in the Senate. I had no idea, and I'm a representative. That, you know, all of this stuff where they're blaming global warming on cow farts, right? <laughs> Yet they're, they're, making, they're making meat in a lab that's spewing CO2 carbons into the air. And, you know, I get some of the top you know, scientists in the world, you know, Dr. Mitlerner from uh, UC Davis and uh, Dr. Frederick Lacroix out of, um, I want to say he's out of mm, Germany or France, one of those two. And, you know, I have these people in my movie explaining that, you know, cow emissions is not doing anything and that we're being lied to left, right, and center. And I know it makes me sound like I need a tinfoil hat, but all I do is just tell the truth. It's like, here's the truth. You've been sold a bill of goods. Here's the truth. And no one wants to, no one wants to believe it. And it's just, like I said, when you get, when you get emails from senators and representatives, you know, you're making a difference. hundred percent, hundred percent. And again, getting the right, getting the truth out there. I got to give you credit for, you know, just staying integral all the way through and being honest to yourself. And that always pays off. Right. But that stuff's not easy. And I had Rob Wolf on actually, Vinny. You know, Rob Wolf, obviously, I had him on. He had his book, Didn't He, The Sacred Cow. And we talked about a lot of that stuff with the environment and everything else and all that, all that propaganda. So with the documentary and putting that out there, right, because let's be honest, like you say, with the – it's kind of like dying off now. It's interesting, right, to see that it's almost just dying now, a painful death in terms of the uh, impossible burgers and everything else. I'm sure you played a big part in that, hopefully. But people are catching on to that, that – for example, when you look at like a beef patty and then you look at the ingredients in an impossible burger, I'd love to know, firstly, let's just go back to the fat documentary. I want to talk on NSNG and then transition into that. Um, so no sugar, no grains is something that you put out there, your philosophy, right? And I love it because essentially avoiding ultra processed foods, right? I always say this to people, those foods are engineered to make you overeat and you're always going to be fighting a losing battle when you're eating those foods. But I'd love to know how you would explain to the audience with fat. Stuff, stuff you mentioned in the documentary, fat, and, and the second one as well, in terms of eating more fats, ketones, versus, you know, and getting energy from ketones and having essential nutrients, right, from right. amino acids and fatty acids and everything else, as opposed to eating processed foods, refined sugars and grains, and why that's so important for people to really pay attention to. Well, look, I, I always like to use what people can see right in front of their faces, right? Um I always use the event, you know, Woodstock, which went off in 1969. And when Woodstock went off, there was not one big box gym anywhere in the world. The only time you even heard of a gym, it was like a little tiny gym named after the guy that owned the gym, like Joe's gym on the street corner. Right. And like bodybuilding and all that was 
Think about that. 1969, bodybuilding was like something that nerdy guys did in their basement, right? Schwarzenegger was a thing. Frank Zane was a thing back then. You know, Tom Platts came around a little later, I guess. But, you know, uh, you know, Vince Gironda and all these guys were a thing. But they, they were like, health clubs didn't exist. Jogging in this country didn't exist. As a matter of fact, jogging started on your end of the world. I want to say in New Zealand, actually you know, one island over from you guys. Um, the, the idea that people would just go out for a jog. And then it was brought here and uh, by the guys who created Nike and the whole thing in the 1970s. But in 1969, it didn't exist. And if you look at Woodstock and you see all these people, most of the girls had bikinis on, the guys didn't have shirts on. These guys had abs. No one ever did abs. No one ever did a sit-up. No one did anything. They were so lean that you could see abs and you could see the serratus muscles in a rib cage and the whole thing. And these were non-athletes. These were just average beer-swelling hippies going to a concert, right? As a matter of fact, you can make a, a point, that, uh, 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 an argument that these are not the healthiest people in the world, right? There were beer and wine-swelling hippies who were more interested in marijuana than, than doing a sit-up, right? Yet they were all ripped out. If you go to a an Ironman event today. And yes, get past the eight hour mark where the pros are coming in and get to the, the 11 and 12 hour mark. Now you're looking at people who have the capacity to stay on their feet for 12 hours. They swam 2.2 miles. They rode a bike 112 miles and then they ran a marathon of a 27.1 or two miles, whatever a marathon is. Yet most of them have some weight to lose. Matter of fact, you'll see morbidly obese people crossing that finish line at the 15 and 16 hour mark. With all of that exercise and all of that nutrition that they they got over the past year or two to get to that Ironman, they can, they don't look anywhere near as good as a beer swilling hippie in 1969. You don't have to look any further than that. And then you go, well, what's happened between now and then? Well, for one, we started eating more processed foods in the 60s. By the 70s, there was even more processed foods. By 1978, um, I talked about this in FATA documentary, the McGovern Committee concluded and decided that carbohydrates were the best way to eat and we shouldn't eat as much fat and we should limit animal protein. And then we put together a pyramid that we stole from Switzerland or Sweden or one of those countries. And on the base of the pyramid, we said, it's all grains, all sugar. The middle part, it's more carbohydrates. And then if you have any time left in your day, you can have a little piece of cheese and meat at the top. As a matter of fact, dairy used to be in its own circle outside of the pyramid. Most people don't remember that. Um, and that's the way they, they wanted us to eat. And it didn't take any time. By the time 1980, 81, 82 came around, people were already getting fat. And since we went on this campaign that if you don't eat fat, you can't get fat, that's when these companies started putting more processed junk out there. You know, when you look at it, Oreos, oh, eat all the Oreos you want. You can't get fat, right? Well, that's ridiculous. It's just ridiculous. Good luck with that, isn't it? Eating yeah. those kind of foods, you're always going to overeat. They're engineered to make you overeat, and that's playing the biggest part, right? Let's be honest. In sure. everything that's going on with the obesity epidemic, and obviously there's other factors, but that's the main driver, really. And I had our friend, uh, Dr. Anthony Chafee on, actually, and he was talking about, Obviously, what you touched on there with the corruption was back in the 60s or 70s, Harvard University students, 
paid a certain amount, essentially to lie about, wasn't it like 50,000 US dollars to kind of put some false information out there relating to what you just said then, fat, saturated fat caught causing heart disease. And, and then obviously you can just see that climb in chronic illness, obesity, and heart disease just creeping up from, funny enough, the time that you mentioned then in the late 60s uh, and 70s, right? Yeah, you know, I tell people that I get sent stuff all the time, you know, articles. And, and if it says anything to do with um, Harvard's, um, Harvard Health Department, you know, that's Walter Willett. If it anything to do with Cleveland Clinic or the, um, or the uh, Minnesota University, these universities have been lying about this. For, Tufts is another one. These are top universities, and these scientists and doctors have been paid off by big industry. You know, Walter Willard over at Harvard, you know, just he's been lying for years. And I tried to get these people in my last movie and and uh, Beyond Impossible, and not one of them. And I said, "What are you guys are afraid? What are you afraid of? Just come on, just come talk to me." And they wouldn't come. I'm the only guy. I have an open invitation for any, not just any vegan on YouTube. Because we, I know this dude on YouTube, he'll come and debate you. Yeah, I know a lot of people on YouTube would love to debate me. Good luck. But um, people like Michael Greger, who claims that even eating one egg a week will give you type 2 diabetes, which is ludicrous. Um, Walter Willard, he, they've all been invited to come on my podcast. They've all been invited to come to my movies and talk freely in my movies. I'm not going to cook their information. I'm going to just put it out there. I want to hear what they have to say. Dr. McDougall, uh, all of the, all of these vegan doctors, I've begged them all to come on my podcast. And in 12 years, how many you think have shown up? Exactly. Zero. 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 And they'll, they'll go, oh yeah, I'll go on anytime. And we will go, okay. And I'll write to them again. Come on, let's go on. I, as a matter of fact, um, what I did, since people don't believe that I'm actually inviting these people, I, in my last movie, up on screen, I put the letter that I sent them, which was the same letter I sent to everyone else to be in the documentary. They got the same exact letter. And each one of them categorically turned me down. Um, one of them, I think it was Michael Greger, who said, you have to be of a certain size for me to, to even consider coming on any show that you have. It's like, well, I have two best-selling documentaries and I have, you know, a hit podcast. I beat all the numbers that he said he needed. And then he said, yeah, I'm sorry, I can't do it. I'm busy that day. And I went back through my emails. It's like, wait a minute, I didn't give him a day. I didn't say which day we were doing this. I just asked him to be in my movie. He says, no, I'm busy that day. And that's basically what I got from all of them, except for McDougal, who started yelling at my assistant which was crazy. Yeah. It's funny though, because it didn't surprise me at all. When I saw your video, you were like, look, we wanted to get some experts on, some quote unquote vegan experts on to the documentary. We really did, but we couldn't because they weren't willing to. And why do you think they were, why do you think they were avoiding it then? Why do you think they kept making excuses? Because um, they know I'm going to expose their lies, you know? Um, that, that's the only, and, and I, Every one of them that I've invited onto my podcast, I've said, hey, listen, um, you're welcome to come on, but here's the first question. If you are eating a vegan diet and we did not have a way to come up with exogenous vitamins, how would you get vitamin B12 on that diet? 
and no one can answer that question correctly. You know, the only way you get B vitamins if you're not taking a, you know, an exogenous vitamin pill is to, in fact, eat animal protein. And they can't answer that question. So they won't come on. They know. I tell them what the questions are going to be. These are the questions I will ask. You. I'm not going to try to railroad you. I'm telling you ahead of time, come up with your answers. Of course, I know what their answers are, right? We don't need as much B12 as you think. We get it from dirt because, yeah, everyone likes to eat dirt. Yeah, you know, they have all kinds of wacky things they say. Thing is, any it's kind of common sense as well, though. Anything that you have to take supplements, you have to, you're going to eat this way, but you have to take supplementation. And even then, you're not going to get anywhere near what you need in terms of bioavailable nutrients and everything else that you would get from simply eating animal protein sources, right? Animal, sorry, animal-based foods. Right. So, and the impossible. Let's let's talk about that, though. I'd love to just touch on, again, not necessarily inspiration is the right word, but what was it off the back of, obviously, Fat 2, and then, obviously, you know, you released this in 2022, right? Was the uh, Beyond Impossible. And I'd love to know because there's a lot of, and they're still going. They're still going. Vinny's still giving it a good crack, aren't they, with that new one that came out? What was it? Uh, you are what you eat or something like that. Wasn't that the same? The new one that came out, wasn't that the same producers as the, uh, what was the other one? Game, was it the same? It's, the same, it's always the same people and they <laughs> use the same doctors and the same thing. And that thing has been debunked five ways to Sunday also. Right. Um, but a couple of things you, you, you asked about the inspiration. Um, I, you know, whenever I started seeing all this beyond meat and impossible burger and I was at a food show because I have a, I own a food company. So I was at this food show, like the biggest one in the United States and Everything was chicken reimagined, fish reimagined, beef reimagined, right? And it was all some kind of, you know, and I would go around to these booths and just look at what they had. And it's like, well, wow. You know, I always used the Oreo cookies. I say, well, an Oreo cookie is actually healthier than what they're calling a health food, you know, a healthier version of meat or chicken or fish. And, you know, I was like, well, and then I started thinking about the environment because every one of those booths says, not only is it good for you, but it's good for the environment. You know, they talk about this as if it's a fait accompli. And I was like, wait a minute, how you got to make this in the lab and then you have to manufacture it. So I just started looking into Beyond Meat and Impossible Burgers. And most of those ingredients come out of China. So they have to spew CO2 carbons into the air to make all of this fake, you know, just the raw products in China. And then they have to get it to the United States. So some kind of locomotion has to happen to get all of that product here. Either you put it on a plane or a ship or something, right? And then you have to truck it in here. So again, more CO2 carbons into the atmosphere just to get it here. And then when you get it here, we have to make the product more CO2 carbons into the air. And at the same time, you look at ruminants, cows and, you know, pigs, and I guess, you know, Bambi and everything else, that's all ruminants. And, uh, you know, okay, these animals have been here for eons, for, for just eternities, right? And now all of a sudden we're blaming ruminants and not just any ruminant because they're not blaming Bambi, they're blaming just cows. Well, we used to have a lot more buffalo in this country and I'm sure, you know, You've had other guests talk about that. You know, we've killed off most of the buffalo population except for the ones we're now raising. We have more ruminants back then. And, but now all of a sudden, 
the ruminants are ruining the planet? Has anyone looked at the automobiles and what's going on in India and everywhere else around the world? Because I've been to India. The place looks like soot, right? It's just there's burning, spewing crap all the time, right? But no one thinks about that. We just look at what we're doing and the fact that a cow just burped. It literally made no sense. And I just started going down that rabbit hole. And before I knew it, the truth became stranger than fiction. And here we are. What was your biggest takeaways, Vinny, from creating that documentary? I'd love to know what you took away from that whole experience and how you've managed to digest all of the corruption from, from all the propaganda over in the vegan world there. Because it's a lot, right? It's a lot to take in and a lot of pushback you must have had along the way as well. Yeah, you know, I, I, I just take it all in stride. Um, I know that I'm one of the most hated people around. Um, you know, you know you're doing something right when people are hating on you. It's like, okay, I'm making a difference because everyone wants to be a fucking hero in this world. I'm not looking to be a hero. I just know that I'm doing something right if people are like, you know, I've one day I woke up and, you know, I was on Wikipedia and they took me off of Wikipedia, right? They just removed, I was removed by one vegan. And I had my staff call Wikipedia. And I was like, yeah, this person says this guy doesn't exist. So then, you know, my wife is a, um, an actress and she's well-known actress. And um, so I went, huh, let me go to her Wikipedia and see what, and they removed me as her husband on Wikipedia. <laughs> no and, way. And put her ex-husband back. Oh, as, my. So Relentless. you think Wikipedia is telling the truth and you think you'll get information? They've canceled my Wikipedia and removed me from my wife's Wikipedia. And then I went, wait, hang on. I'm one of the most famous people. I came from a very small town. I'm one of the most famous people from that small town because not everyone's written a book and no one's done documentaries and all this kind of stuff. And um, so I went to my hometown. I was removed from there too. So Wikipedia, this woman had me, it's a woman. We figured out who she was. She had me removed from, just wiped from Wikipedia. So my wife wrote to Wikipedia and said, hey, I'm married to this guy. Would you like to see a, a certificate? You know, this is my husband. And they were like, no, we're good. We, 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 you know, we don't believe that you're married to him. So that's that. <laughs> yeah. Bloody hell. Well, if people think they're going to Wikipedia to find out real information, I can tell you that it's not. And then we started noticing that we were getting shadow banned on, um, on, uh, uh, you know, you know, YouTube, you know, I have 25 or 30,000 subscribers and they would show my videos to 2000 people like and say, okay. It's not even 10% of my subscribers, right? So you're telling me no one's paying attention. And then we figured out, oh, wait, they're, they're shadow banning. Same thing with Meta. We see it on Facebook. We see it on Instagram. I stopped doing Instagram about a month ago because it's like, why should I beat my head against the wall? And people keep writing to me, hey, why did you get rid of me on Instagram? I say, like, I didn't get rid of you. Instagram got rid of you. You know you're doing something right whenever they start coming after you. Right. You know, you've made a dent. Right. You, you're pissing off the powers that be. Hats off to you, man, because, again, like you get you get blocked on everything, canceled on everything. Right. Because all that corruption behind the scenes, that's another conversation. And you just you keep chipping away. But, yeah, I totally see where you're coming from. You're putting great content out there. You put a lot of energy into it. 
and you're like, okay, well, let me just, let me just, because the podcast, I mean, you put 12 years into that, right? So that, that's, that's getting out there, which is fantastic. And your documentaries having a, having a massive impact. But I guess just to kind of wrap this up, I would like to, and I want the audience to, we don't want to go into detail here because you've covered all this on your documentaries anyway. And from everything we've said, it sounds like they should watch the documentaries in order, right? Because it sounds like they're all, obviously they're all, they're all linked and you're talking about, you're giving them the, the information and knowledge on nutrients that you should be consuming fats and everything else that people sure. probably still scared of a lot of people as well. It's interesting. The whole cholesterol conversation, which I still have a challenge with at times with, with, with clients, but we won't, won't go into that rabbit hole, but NSNG, no sugar, no grains. What, what kind of gave you the, uh, just the idea to, to get that out there. And I'd love to know why you think that's, that's so important for people to, to really focus on, especially when it comes to, you know, weight loss, metabolic health, and essentially just longevity, really. It started with my clients in Hollywood, you know, it's, I had to give them a simple way of, you know, just understanding, you know, at first, when I go in, it's like, listen, I can't be here all day with you, I have to go see the next guy, just anything with sugar in it, any kind of grain, just no sugar, no grain, that, that was always my my mantra, no sugar, no grain, I'll see you again tomorrow. But before just no sugars, no grains, if you have any questions about a grain, or a sugar, give me a call, you know, they all had me on speed dial. And, um, you know, I, that just became my mantra around Hollywood. And that's when you know, Dean Laurie, uh, writer, producer, of many shows, you, you know, like Arrested Development and all this, he goes, man, you need to take this no sugars, no grains thing to the world. And that's when we we did the book and, um, and put it out. And, and then of course, I had to trademark in SNG because, you know, it's mine. And uh, here we are. <laughs> it's that simple. You cut out sugars and grains. You're cutting out, by large part, a lot of carbohydrates. And people go, what about fruit? Well, it's sugar. What about vegetables? Well, it's a carbohydrate, but it's probably not going to cause a problem if you're eating the right, you know, vegetables. You're eating broccoli, cauliflower, Brussels sprouts, asparagus, this kind of thing. You, you know, it's a lot of fiber, a lot of water in it. You're, you're good, right? Carbohydrates are not needed to sustain any kind of human life. It just it's just not needed. But if you get a few carbs here and there in your vegetables, and as far as fruit goes, avocados and you know, I guess olives are fine because they're very low glycemic. And and if you want something sweet on occasions, berries are low glycemic. But that's about it. it it's it's so s simple. It's just it's almost stupid, right? Hundred percent, uh, but that—that's why I came up with that mantra and been yelling it for thirty-five years. Love it, and the grains and the refined sugars and the combination of the the, the high, you know, palatability in those foods just gets people addicted, right? So literally, you mentioned yourself about because you get this kind of camp of people saying, you know, sugar's not addictive, you know, like and it shows people eating a teaspoon of sugar kind of thing. You you would never eat a teaspoon of white sugar on its own. You have it trying to justify it. But would you say sugar is addictive, right? What, what's your thoughts on that? I saw one of your videos. Oh, I, I know it's addictive. People don't get to five and 600 pounds without an addiction to it, right? You, you know, no one says after you eat a 12-ounce steak, bring me another sizzling 12-ounce steak. But if I gave you a bag of Doritos and you ate all those carbs, you will lick out the bag and go find something else because now you're in that carb train and your body 
wants more and more, your brain just keep light. I need to be lit up. Just keep lighting me up. And it's because of hormones that are released. And that, that's a whole podcast for another day, but you know, ghrelin and leptin and cortisol and insulin and, and all of it just conspires to make you want to eat more of it. And you never feel full. That's 100%. It's funny because it's the same story. We just deliver it in different ways, don't we, Vinny, right? We always talk about the same stuff. Avoid ultra-processed foods, vegetable oils, all those kind of things which are designed to make you overeat and then all the other stuff that comes with eating those foods, like you mentioned, hormone, gut health, all those kind of things. And if you can eat single-ingredient foods primarily, as you say, carbohydrates, I always say this as well, carbohydrates you can live without. If you have deficiencies in certain fats and proteins, amino acids and fatty acids from the essential nutrients, that can be extremely nasty, right? So you don't need them to survive carbohydrates, right? But as you say, every now and then bringing them in, providing it's from single ingredient carbs, and as you say, uh, low glycemic index, then generally that's going to be fine for most people. So just to wrap it up, what, what are the fundamentals you would say for people to focus on? Again, I want people to watch your documentaries, but what would you say the fundamentals people should focus on really when it comes to nutrition? Just you kind of touched on it then, but what should people like focus on to, you know, if they want to lose weight and just, live longer and perform better, you know? Well, the first thing you have to do is, you know, get, get your liver, you, you need to get everything moving in the right direction. So, and again, I sound like a broken record, but I tell people try to, you know, not try to just go hardcore for 30 days of just cutting out all carbs, get your body moving in the right direction, get start moving north and south, right? You, you just want to head down the road, you just want to get there. And um, so you know, Atkins used to talk about a two week induction period, I tell people go go 30 days, get that sugar out of your brain, learn to eat fats, saturated fats, things like coconut oil, things like, you know, red meat and fish, start enjoying real food, and get back to what we know. And then if you want to start throwing in some vegetables, knock yourself out. It's, it's that simple. I, I wish I could tell you it's more complex than that. No, I love it. I love it. Simple is the best way. And that is the truth. It's not complicated, but you have to, like we said earlier, you have to be willing to do the work. And essentially those foods, those, those foods we're talking about the ultra processed foods, they literally hijack people's brain. Right. And I've yeah. been there before in my bodybuilding days and won't go into that conversation, but look, Vinny, really appreciate your time, man. There was so much gold in that episode. And I just, we're going to cover this in the show notes, add it to the show notes. I'd love to know the best places for the audience to find you or anything you want to mention here. Easy. You can go, and it's not easy. Go to vinnytortorich.com, V-I-N-N-I-E, T as in Tom, O-R, T as in Tom again, O-R-I-C-H, vinnytortorich.com. We have a VIP group there. You know, we have a, uh, you can get the uh, PDF, um, which more people have lost more weight. We've had hundreds of thousands of people lose millions and millions of pounds just going to get the PDF and just looking at that and just reading it. You don't have to get my books. You don't have to watch my documentaries or anything else. But if you go there, you'll see everything else there and you can pick and choose what you want and then uh, go from there. Thanks, Vinny. It was great to chat to you, my man. You too, Martin. Thanks for having me. Absolute pleasure.